Welcome to the General's Gentlemen. Hello and hello and welcome back to the RTS podcast. Today we'll be talking about everyone's favorite topic and the topic that people on the internet get very angry about, and that is balance. So returning seems to be, as always, which I'm very fortunate for, is Mr. Wayward Strategy. Hello, Brandon. Hey, everybody. How's it going? I'm always happy to be here. Um, get to, I get to inflict my opinions on all of you some more. <laughs> inflict your opinions. That's, that's beautiful. <laughs> uh, and we have a first-time guest, Mr. Aiden. Hello. Hi. Tell us a bit about yourself. What do you do? Because you have a cool gig going uh, on as well. Sorry, you what's that? You have a cool gig going on. Oh, yeah. Uh, my name's Aiden. I'm a game designer. I've been making games since about 26, uh, 2006. Currently working at Blackbird Interactive. So the people who most recently released uh, Hard Space Shipbreaker and Deserts of Karak. Nice. That's awesome. I love Deserts of Karak, so uh, thank you <laughs> for whatever part you played in that. I didn't play any part in that, but I'll tell oh, them okay. you said thanks. Yeah. I'm sure that they all know. Yeah, I actually owe, I owe those guys a, I owe those guys a lot. I um, I did a very very brief consulting gig with them, uh, in at the end of 2016, um, and that was when my youngest son was born, and I had lost my job the day he was born, Whoa. and um, the Blackbird really kind of kind of helped me yeah. out in a dark a dark time in my life. So. Oh, wow. Um, That's good to know. Yeah, I had no idea. Cool. I'll tell him you said hi. Yeah, yeah. um, Rory. Uh, I worked with Rory. So, yeah, I I owe those guys a lot. Nice. Okay, so this topic started um, because I was just chatting to Aiden, and then he said, you know what? I think balance is overrated. So he's asserting the thesis, and, and I both agree and disagree with him. Um, and I'm sure Wayward also will, will have a mixed response. So, so what, what do you think, Aiden? Yeah, I'm in the why, same... Why is balance overrated? Me on the spot. I'm trying to remember what... Uh, I'm trying to remember my rationale for it. Um, I, think, I think the main uh, crux of it for me is that sometimes I think fun gets sacrificed a lot in the pursuit of balance. Um, and sometimes when you're balancing things it's possible to to tune a lot of the fun and the excitement out of it and it makes me think about experiences like Fortnite you know I don't think anyone can argue that Fortnite is a balanced experience you know there's a lot of randomness in there um, so I think it's possible to have a very fun experience that's not balanced even with inside the context of RTS I think so yeah because I think it adds an element of drama to it um, I think there's an element of like drama and excitement and having to deal with the hand that you're dealt, which makes things interesting and forces you to use tools in new ways and interesting ways that you hadn't necessarily planned for. You know, if you're capping a point with a mortar team, they're not very good at capping points, but sometimes needs must, so you've got to do it, right? So, what would. So, I think it ultimately. Sorry. For me, I think it ultimately depends on on how you're going to define balance. Yeah, it's important. So for for me, um, when I think of a balanced experience, not necessarily uh, have the the 
damage tables in the game be be balanced in some way but to me a balanced experience is one where you you have options because if you if the if the experience isn't balanced there's basically there's one best choice um and even if you're going to lose still you have to do that one thing um and to, to me balance is is more than um you know the one thing i can do is reasonably um reasonably uh, has a reasonable chance of success against the one thing you can do so long as we're each only doing one thing um if we only have one real choice that that to me is the lack of the lack of balance um it, it comes out to you you can't do a variety of things you're kind of stuck doing one thing uh even if that thing does well against whatever you're fighting so so that that to me so to me in that sense balance is very important in a strategy game because you want the players to be able to pursue a lot of different strategies uh and to use a lot of different units you know you see i've been playing a lot of command and conquer remastered lately and basically the only thing you can do is throw tanks at people yes. or maybe if you're being really aggressive you can throw grenadiers at them um and to me, that that that's the lack of balance is that I can't go try to do mammoth tanks because I'm never going to get them out. Um, you know, I'm only going to pull out as not. I'm only going to pull out artillery if I'm already winning. Um, so to me, the the game functions in that you can kind of win as GDI and you can play and you can have you can have a good time, but it's not really balanced in that you can't really do a lot of different things um I've, I've actually seen some players lately do some crazy stuff like there was this one game i saw recently where some uh, the player pulled out like five orcas right in the beginning of the match uh and that was fun and it was like wow i actually get to see i actually get to see orcas being used um so to, to me in that in that sense anyway i know i've been talking for kind of a long time but uh the way i think about balance is it's it's very important because without it the game just isn't going to be interesting that's a really good example to use command and conquer remastered because that there is a alternative to red alert that's balanced it's called open ra you can download that and, and mm -hmm. it's a, a red alert fan project and it actually is balanced and i think it's really fun i think it's really good because you can do different things is there's you know walkers and infantry and artillery and all these units serve a function Uh, do you think it's possible to have true balance? Is there any RTS out there that is true? So I, I think that's I think that's where the trap comes in because we've seen with StarCraft, even with Legacy of the Void, they've been tweaking the game in large and small ways for many years now. And uh, actually, there's there's some people I know that argue that they do that on purpose. To, to keep the game as fresh as possible. Um, but I think there's always something that's going to feel a little too powerful or feel a little too weak. Uh, so in in that sense, I do agree that the, the endless pursuit of balance, it needs to kind of reasonably stop somewhere. Um, and I imagine at some point Legacy of the Void uh, is going to stop being patched by Blizzard. And at that point... Uh, whatever's there people are going to live with uh, or they'll just do a bunch of mods for it and use those instead um but yeah i think that that the pursuit of balance kind of ends up being like a rat like a like a mouse wheel a hamster wheel yeah. so you just you just keep pedaling on it endlessly 
you know, I'm tweaking this stat up, I'm tweaking that stat down. This has to be uh, two seconds longer. The cooldown for this has to be 45 seconds instead of, you know, 42 or something. Um, so I, I think in that, in the, the Blizzard-style pursuit of mechanical perfection, yeah. um, I, I think that gets a little a little too much. But but I feel like the number of games, especially the number of RTS that, that really end up doing that is, is pretty small. Yeah, most of them don't yeah, have the I budget to perpetually balance. Most of them just, sorry, budget's gone, next game. And like with Command & Conquer, you look at Kane's Wrath, it had two patches, 1.01 1.02, and that's it. Yeah. Yeah, that, I think that, that unfortunately happens too often with RTS. Um, the best I think, shoot. like... Oh, go ahead. Sorry. I think uh, the important point that sort of you touched on there is I think there's like this pursuit of esports quality balance. Um, you know, everything needs to be balanced for like a hyper competitive level to not give anyone an advantage or not to give anyone like a, you know, like a, a, no, a no brainer like meta strategy. And I think that's where the fun starts to come out of it you know start tuning some of the fun out of it because it, it wouldn't be fair in like a competitive environment but it would be fun to use in a in just a casual environment i, th I think what's an important word that may be more useful because because balance is is a very broad word and so it's easy to, to talk past each other i think what aiden's critique is is not that balance is is a problem. I think his premise is that balance often can lead to blandness, and blandness is the ultimate problem in the end of the day. And then so how do we yeah. create balance without blandness? And I think... Um, yeah, like homogenization. Yeah, there, there are... Like some games do this, some games don't. Like I think you could, you could argue that StarCraft 2 is pretty balanced... Um, and yet it isn't very bland. The units are quite unique and quirky and the factions are unique and quirky. But then I think you can get some games that just feel a bit bland and it isn't necessarily because of balance, but balance maybe isn't, isn't helping. Yeah, so for for example, actually, one, one good example of that, I think, is Active Aggression. I don't know if either of you played that, but... But the designers of that game, it seems like they were very, very careful to kind of give all players all of the tools that they were that they could that they could work with. Which, even though each faction had a different tech tree and they had uh, a, a command and conquer esque style of or um, concept of build radius, so like each faction they had different layouts for their bases because they had some factions had to have their bases really kind of clumped up together around their, their, some of their structures and some of them could kind of spread out more. Um, but what ended up happening is in the later game, everyone was working with the same tools and, you know, you might have one unit that um, in, in one faction, uh, one capability become, comes earlier in the game and, and another faction gets that same capability later in the game. But at the end, of the day you're all kind of just working with the same stuff that was yeah um one one common criticism i heard and i i don't know i i never really got involved in the multiplayer uh to a, a deep degree so i don't know whether or not it's considered 
balanced, but when I think of blandness, unfortunately, I, I hate to to crap on the game too much, but um, that was definitely a problem with it. Is um, mm. that Whoa. you didn't you didn't get these these Blizzard style or even uh, you know late Command and Conquer style where you've got factions that actually function differently and give you different tools to play with. Um, yeah, I mean the most balanced game of all is chess, right? <laughs> it's like you've got the two identical sides, and it sort of prompts an interesting question, which is at the highest levels of competitive play, you know, like the top top tier of StarCraft, how how often do you see mirror matches? And when you do see mirror matches, how often do they go for like the same sort of build order and the same strategy well i think it's an interesting point to distinguish between starcraft one and starcraft two because they are balanced very differently and, and people praise brood war for its amazing balance that decades later they haven't released a balance patch and so what they mean by that is that the factions are balanced is that zerg is not a stronger or weaker faction than protoss however i think starcraft yeah. brood war is extremely poorly balanced because you have you have units that are just absolutely awful, like the scout. You never build a scout in any matchup ever. But then also you have units that only fill one specific role in one specific matchup, and that's it. So you have the firebat. The firebat, you use it against Zerglings, but that's it. You won't use it against Terran or Protoss. Yeah. And then even aside from against Zerg, Marines also counter Zergling anyway. So the, the, it's really superfluous of what it does. And then it's completely inflexible against larger units because of the way the damage modifiers work. So then in the barracks, you have three units. You have both the Marine, the Firebat, and the Ghost, all of which are good against Zergling. So that's just a, the Firebat is a really badly balanced unit. And then, you, you know, other matchups, you, you, you don't build, um, I don't know, you don't build Hydras against Terran, for example. Um, I mean... Most what of about, the time, you don't. Um, Starcraft. Sorry. What about Starcraft Two? So Starcraft Two is well balanced because in basically every matchup, basically every unit's viable. I can build Liberators against Terran, Protoss, Zerg. I can go Mech, or I can go Bio in Terran, Zerg, or Protoss. You can you can kind of do everything, mm. and and that's obviously designed very intentionally. You know, and maybe there's exceptions. Maybe Battle Cruisers aren't particularly good against Zerg, but for the most part, it's miles ahead of Brood War in terms of how viable every unit is in every matchup. And that was obviously an intention, and you can tell that they've, they've done that on purpose. So when, when we're talking about balance and when we're talking about... Um, when we're talking about how many options you have, I actually think that the mirror matchups in... StarCraft 2 are a, a pretty good object uh, lesson. And my examples might be kind of out of date because I, I haven't really kept up to it, uh, up, up with it too much lately. But my recollection is that, at least for a long time, Terran, basically every player was just doing the same thing. Um, was, was that not the case? I, I believe that Terran ended up just kind of doing mech. Um most of the time and then you're just whoever's implementing on the mech better ends up winning uh where with with protoss and I, i'm pretty sure this is still the case anything can happen you have all of these crazy units that are crazy powerful um 
and you can you have people go air and it's just this this constant crazy wild back and forth cheese and a lot of people don't like protoss because it's so volatile and so, because it's so unpredictable and it's so easy to have your whatever you're doing be countered blind countered by your enemy uh but to me that's that's a lot more yeah. interesting both to play and to watch uh when it comes down to with with zerg and terran it feels a lot more like your your entire game is about the brute resource efficiency of what you're doing um you know as you're zerg and you get behind on drones you're probably not going to win especially if it's earlier on in the match um but with protoss you always have something literally insane you can do um you know warp prism dark templar or even the crazy warp prism immortal micro um <clears throat> there's just always something wild going on in, in protoss matches and um I know that the conventional wisdom is that Protoss is the, the least fun um, or the, the most annoying mirror matchup, but that that's what I think of when I think of of balance in terms of options. It, you know, you're, there's always something crazy you can do, and that's actually one thing I kind of like about uh, Command and Conquer in general is I feel like, in my perspective, the, the CNC games, they give players the, the most space to have something crazy happen later in the match. Um, it, it doesn't often happen. I, if you, you get a lot of CNC games that are like three minutes long because then you get, you know, an APC engineer rush yeah. or something. Uh, even, even in Kane's Wrath, um, you can get an APC engineer rush and grab their con yard before they have anything. And then, uh, uh, well, you know, yeah. you don't get air units this match. And then I win. Um, but in, in the longer games, you know, you can... You could be 15 minutes into the game, you lose your only con yard, and you just keep playing. And uh, I know that I'm getting a little off topic, I guess. But <laughs> well, I think it's it's relevant to the idea of blandness. I think blandness is the real enemy here. And I mean, Legacy of the Void just touched on what you said briefly is an interesting example because Legacy of the Void adds units that are like really, you know, quote unquote unbalanced. Like they're they're not bland units. Like the disruptor. Like how many times have you seen a disruptor kill? 600 marines worth of units in a single shot 600 minerals worth of units in a single shot and the liberator and i don't know they get the zerg the lurker so they, they they're very quirky units i think what would be useful uh aiden is to identify a game so let's go with like a real world example what is a game that you feel specifically suffers from t too much emphasis on balance slash blandness because i can think of good counter examples like i think um, Red Alert 2 and Dawn of War Dark Crusade, these amazingly popular classic games, they're not balanced games. And, and Dark Crusade does some interesting things where it has unit caps as a way of glossing over the fact that the, the clearly is not balanced. Like Grey Knights are not a balanced unit, but they are because there's a unit cap. And unit caps themselves aren't very fun, but it allows them to, to field unbalanced units. Yeah, and I think the um, the example that sort of prompted this sort of topic the last time we were talking, as I was talking about Company of Heroes. Um, so there's a couple of things, right? There's there's unit to unit balance, and there's also like skill as a component of balance, and then there's also like environmental or randomized factors, um, sort of wild card things on the battlefield that tie into balance and i think the example that i used was i was playing company of heroes one 
and I was uh, the Wehrmacht, and I was playing against, I think it was like an American player. I uh, know, Brits. It was definitely Brits, because there were trenches. And I was getting destroyed. By all objective measures, the other player was way better than me. And I had nothing left, and when all of his tanks were rolling across a bridge, I did like one des last desperate sort of... Um, off-map artillery strike and it happened to take out the bridge and all of his tanks fell into the river and that's it his like entire army was wiped out <laughs> so from that point on i was just putting knights cross in trenches and they would not die because it's like you know once a upgraded knights cross is in a trench it's not going anywhere um and it got me thinking a lot because like if that had been a more like quote unquote like balanced experience I wouldn't have been able to do that but because of the fact that I was able to one like wipe out pretty much an entire tank column with a lucky strike on a environmental like prop and two sort of chuck a load of infantry in bunkers I was able to win and it's like it, it wasn't balanced but it gave me like a really cool anecdote and a really cool story and I think those are the those are the things that we risk losing um, in the quest for sort of more balanced experiences, if that makes sense. Yeah, but I would, I think what's also useful to throw in is the term fairness. I think perhaps you can mm. distinguish between fairness and balance. Because balance brings to mind a spreadsheet. It brings to mind DPS charts and values and cost efficiency. And like, that's what balance often evokes in people. But, but fairness is obviously a good thing like who, who wouldn't want fairness and and i would argue that that example is fair because in company of heroes when you call down an artillery strike there's like that red that red smoke that plays and so the enemy can see that there's artillery they can hear it because there's audio cues that you hear the artillery shells in the in the background and and also them going on the bridge was them making a decision that so long as the map is balanced around having alternative pathways, which surely it does, then that's they're being punished for their their decision and, and their their inability to respond given those cues. And and the bridge is, is, is one example and, and very similar to the bridge um, is is the ice mechanic in Company of Heroes 2, where you can move your tanks on the ice and if they get hit by explosives they sink. And that's not balanced you know you can you can spend 25 munitions to throw a grenade and my rifle squad now sinks your heavy tiger like that's not balanced you can't look at a, at a yeah. deep at a, math, a mathematical chart and see that's balanced but it it is the consequence of a player making a decision to send his tiger on the ice rather than spending the extra 15 seconds to path around the long way so i think that it's fair and i think fair is the metric that one of the important metrics for how you should gauge what balance is. So you'd never, I mean, the the examples that we just made, you never would see those in a like a competitive sort of top tier esport type battle, right? Like StarCraft, like Age of Empires. I mean, with the RTS space, it's it's kind of hard because there isn't many examples. Well, so in in yeah. terms of in terms of esports, I, I think it's fair. To say Age of Empires 2 and StarCraft 2 are probably your benchmark games for that sort of thing. Um, and 
Starcraft to to an extent will let you have an interaction that kind of feels like that. For instance, uh, a dropship full of expensive units. Um, you know, that dies and, and you lose all of the units inside of it. Um, but it, it's interesting that both of you are, are, are saying that that the tank being on ice or the tanks being on the bridge and dying to something that's designed to destroy those um, is not a balanced interaction. And I, I'm not necessarily disagreeing. I just feel like it's, it's reasonable to question, to question that. Um, <clears throat> so if we're talking about balance in terms of um, I spend X resources and you spend X resources, and then the only thing that matters is skill, I'm not sure very many games are balanced 100% like that. Um, what you spend the resources on and what you can can do with those resources, it, it, it varies. That's why there's different units. You know, In theory, a perfectly balanced game would have maybe one or two or three different unit types, and I don't think anyone would ever really find that that interesting uh then we're getting right back into chess territory yeah there's very very few unit types and they all do exactly one thing um except the pawn which does many things you have the (laughs) and the and the queen which is which is um can usually considered one of the more valuable pieces in the chess game um op yeah (laughs) queen's op nerf queens so Um, like a question i got then is when you look at the, if if we say for the sake of argument that StarCraft Two and Age of Empires uh, Two were the the sort of pinnacle of like balance, or just the examples that we use as like highly competitive sort of like esport titles, if you think of like the average battle, and then you've got like player one and player two, and it's almost like a needle that sort of moves back and forth between who's ever whoever's winning. In the average like esport match, does the needle tend to like move a little bit and then flop to one side, or just like gradually go to one player, or would it wildly pendulum swing back and forth between the two players? If that makes sense. I think it'll be um, I'm minor. Not a, yeah, I, I mean, I don't really. Yeah, I, I'm not an expert on Age of Empires, but in in StarCraft, usually once that pendulum swings one way, it's not going to swing back the other way very often. Yeah, um, and I think I think that's really sort of the crux of it. It's like if this sort of crude uh, and uh, metaphorical device, if we call it like the drama meter, <laughs> you know, the more that pendulum swings, the more exciting it is for both parties, right? And it's sort of like in everyone's best interest for that pendulum to swing quite wildly. But like um, my my sort of theory is that in highly competitive highly balanced games it sort of twitches left and right a little bit and then it just starts to lean over to one side and there's a tipping point and then it just flops down to the other side yeah I, i'm not sure if that's a balanced thing per it's se a snowball to thing. me that seems and like i did talk about this in well, one of my... well specifically for yeah and you you've talked about snowballing before in your um in your very well done articles and videos uh but but to me so so going back to to command and conquer as an example um in most command and conquer games and i'm mostly familiar i've been watching more than anything a lot of kane's wrath and uh red alert 3 lately and it's and now getting kind of back into command and conquer remastered um what impresses 
what what not impresses like uh like I, I'm excited about it, but but it's like literally like an imprinted on my mind is that in those games everything is very high impact. You know, a yeah. handful of a handful of minigunners, if they if they go undetected, can kill a building. Um, a single engineer can turn a match around. Um, it doesn't take very much in Command and Conquer to have that pendulum swing back and forth. Uh, and in fact, in, in Red Alert Three, I think they were specifically designing for that sort of of wild pendulum swinging. You know, I lose my whole army, you lose your whole army. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I lose that... all of my harvesters, and then you kill my MCV. And um, I, I just feel like that. That is, and I hesitate to say that they're not balanced. I, I hesitate to say that they are balanced because mm. you know the community is still releasing balance patches. But in <laughs> yeah, freaking mecha tangus, um, I, I would say if I were given the task of rebalancing Red Alert Three, one of the first things I would look at would be the Tengu. Well, um, the, the real problem is dishonorable a... discharge more so than the Tengu itself. Like being, you, you just you suicide uh, the harvesters. That's really OP. Well, it's just it's just such a versatile unit. Yeah. Uh, so you you're, you force your opponent to build anti ground and anti air, and then you have one big ball of things that can either be anti ground or anti air at any given time. Um, so you can overwhelm the one of them, and then overwhelm the other one, and then you've yeah you've won. Um, so that that to me is an example of an unbalanced interaction because it inherently favors the player who's using the Tengus because I'm either going to have to have more resources than you to build more units. So my two little balls of anti-ground and anti-air uh, can deal independently with, with, with whichever you need your Tengus to be at the moment. Um, that was also my one of my, my concerns with Dawn of War 3 and the balance of that game. Uh, and of course, we have to mention Dawn of War three, just because it makes people upset to think about. Yeah, um, but <laughs> yeah. I think the, like, the Space Marines, though. This, the Space Marines were were very versatile. They had units they could literally like call off map, and then call back in anywhere they wanted to. Um, mm. So you were able to to take these these theoretically not really big deal type things, and then um, you know I can be where you're not or you think there's an encounter that you can win and oops, all of a sudden there's a ton of units there that there weren't before. And I feel like that, that sort of thing is, is not properly accounted for sometimes in the balanced data. Uh, and again, though, the, the red alert three, the Tango, I think is a good example of that. Um, it's just a unit that's, that's too versatile. And that's the problem is it's like the Raven in Starcraft two. Yeah. Currently the, the Raven can just do like 12 different things. <laughs> I think um, skill is a really important component there because um, sometimes things are balanced, but the skill required to use them is much lower, than, and it makes them feel like, like Dark they're Templars, unbalanced. especially in Starcraft, or like too. Banshees in I forget which in like a Chaos. Uh, What's the Chaos expansion for Dawn of War Two? Howling Banshees. Chaos Rising. Chaos Rising. Yeah, like the Howling Banshees. Whenever we used to play, everyone would be like, oh, the Banshees are overpowered. And it's like, they're not. It's just the skill required to counter them is much higher than the skill required to use them. You know, it's like right-click on the target and they'll cut through anything, pretty much. But the skill required to, like, keep micro in your units around to kite mm -hmm. them makes it really, really challenging. And I think 
I think that's one of the things, right? It's like, can you ever, can you ever really have true balance? And if you do have it, is it the best thing for the majority of players? Well, I think that the majority. Of... I think balance. There is no objective balance, obviously, because it's not a mathematical formula. It's based on player experience, and players are subjective. So no, you can't. But it's it's degrees of balance is. You know, if you go back and play StarCraft II launch day, Wings of Liberty day one, that just is obviously a lot worse balance compared to Legacy of the Void in 2020. And same with Company of Heroes 2. If you play day one launch of Company of Heroes 2 compared to 2020 Company of Heroes 2, the balance is miles ahead. And as a result, it's more fun for everyone. The fact that they've balanced these games for 10 or 7 years is to the benefit um however do you think well yeah you, you can never finalize balance and ticket on a box do you think that balance is important to a fun experience yeah because i think as as what brandon was saying i mean I would say balance is is diversity of strategy it's it's variation i would i would say to a, to a point so so for instance with the howling banshees yeah it's possible to deal with them but the player who's using them probably ultimately isn't having as much fun as they could be having because they just build a bunch of Howling Banshees and right-click and then they just wait. And then the other player is, again, not as having as much fun as they could be having because they know that the Howling Banshees are probably but not definitely coming. And if they do come, they ha are going to have to work much, much harder than their opponent just to stand a chance of winning. Um, so I think that's the sort of thing that your balance should primarily be in... in uh, pursuit of is in most cases the risk of doing something and the reward of doing something should be kind of in parity so if it's easy to do it shouldn't be really really easy to win with you should be able you should be required to work a little bit with whatever tools you're using to win um, and I think that that's probably the for me anyway that's the baseline in terms of balance is that you you get these these risks and rewards um situate sorted out such that it gives both players an opportunity to have or both teams uh an opportunity to have fun um let's like let's say just for instance um dark templar had three times as much health or cost half as much um or came out 45 seconds earlier um I don't know that that improves the fun of the game because then the player, the proto player is always going to go for Dark Templars and the other players are going to f be forced to get detection as early as possible. And um, then the game becomes, do I get an undetected Dark Templar in your base? If, if I do, I win. And uh, if I don't, it's no big deal. And you have to keep fighting uh, as though I hadn't done that because it's so easy for me to get undetected Dark Templars into your base. Uh, yeah. I don't think the game becomes more fun in that situation. Maybe for a, a couple of viewers for a while, it's, it's interesting because you have this, this crazy scramble over Dark Templar, but I, I think ultimately what RTS designers are looking for is a game where both players have multiple options they can pursue and, and have to execute skillfully on to make sure that something happens. And... You, it's, it becomes kind of like like fencing, where it's you know parry and ripasse and um, <laughs> it's it's this this dance almost uh, 
And if it's... I don't know. I, I stopped because I started thinking about Warcraft 3, <laughs> so I kind of lost my Yeah, well, I want to say something. So, I, um, I think just quickly, like, balance is an umbrella term, and there are sub-components, mm. sub-categories. There's, there's faction balance, like Starcraft Brood War is faction balanced. You have diversity and variety of viable units and strategies and play styles. So StarCraft 2 does that pretty well. And then I think third, you have, is it balanced between skill levels and game modes and map types? Like the balance in a 1v1 game is obviously going to be different to a 4v4, but in, a, in an ideal world, balance would be consistent throughout skill levels mm. and map sizes and map types. And you can look at some interesting examples in Company of Heroes to see where that isn't the case. Yeah. Yeah, I think I sort of look at it like Overwatch, right? In Overwatch, you've got all these different heroes and they all do different things. And there's certain matchups that are just not going to... There's certain matchups that are just not going to work out well for you. It's like you've got a hero uh, that's not great against the hero that you're coming up against. Um, and I think that's okay. Like, I think it's okay to have these sort of like counters that just if you're really really good you can sort of get away with it and you can sort of win and it feels great and if you're but for the average amount for the average person like they're just never gonna win that matchup and i think that allows players to have like a lot of developers to create things that are like a lot more characterful and a lot more interesting and i think it's the sort of the pursuit of the mechanical and mathematical balance that tends to sort of like homogenize things because you don't want to give someone an unfair advantage for just picking the right character or just happening to pick the cool unit you know it's it's interesting um because i i don't want to use the wrong term i almost said deck building games <laughs> and i know that's a specific subgenre uh because i've had a lot of people on my discord yell at me about that <laughs> So, uh, but but trading card games, anyway, exactly. like Magic: The Gathering or Hearthstone, exactly. uh, they don't have to worry as much about specific balance between all of their various options. They just throw a crap ton of options at you and try to make sure that some of the the worst ones aren't uh, so bad <laughs> after a while. Um, so, the, I think that sort of a game. Uh, for, for a while, I played this uh, turn-based tactics game this turn-based trading card game called duelist unfortunately i think it shut down this year or last year um yeah and there's a fan reboot but but you had some crazy stuff you could do in duelist with with one uh, two factions that could just spend and en spawn endless numbers of units um and then some factions that could get a unit out for very little cost but it you know if it if the egg lasts three turns then it turns to this horrible unstoppable juggernaut um and those games were all about giving players just a ton of really really powerful ways to just dick each other over <laughs> sorry maybe i shouldn't maybe we're family it's really interesting um, yeah i'm glad you brought up magic and ccgs because that's that was gonna be something else i was like i was would you, i don't know why before we before we go too far into that, another mm. example actually is MOBAs. So uh, mm. Dota and League of Legends, they have the same thing where there are some heroes that are just never going to do anything against other heroes. And to me, what, what they've done, 
that actually makes it really interesting as a spectator. Like, I don't play. I played Dota a couple of years ago, but but kind of fell out of it. But as a spectator of Dota, what I really really love watching is the pick ban phase of the game. Yeah. Um, I love that. I love like watching the mind games as they um, as they ban this and then sneak this heroine that they want to use. For their composition and oh no they they banned one of the heroes that goes with him so you've got to figure out some alternate like that's half the fun of the match for me is is watching mm. the pick ban phase in a dota 2 game dota 2 game like they don't have to have each individual hero balanced against all the others so long as they give players a tool to work that to their advantage uh which might be something you would consider a possibility to to somehow happen in an rts game where there's some sort of you know if there's imbalances that are that are baked in giving players some yeah. sort of tool not necessarily a pre-match pick ban like oh i'm gonna ban you from ghosts and you're gonna say i can't use high templar or something but um that sort of that sort of thinking where you have this this kind of known block in your game design that you can't get around so you allow players to to game around that block in some meaningful way you give them a, a series of choices they can make that deal with the big big block of imbalance you're stuck with uh yeah. and for dota 2 anyway I, th I think it worked really really well um to create this actually exciting experience where you're mind gaming the other team before the match even starts yeah um, now we're getting into like the meat of it because it's like games like magic and games like dota and league of legends and what have you it's like would you say would you say that the average game of magic is like balanced and can you even balance an experience when there's so many cards like the you know the ban list the list of banned cards for magic compared to the amount of cards that are in magic is tiny and maybe that's the thing right in like traditional sort of rts games they're sort of fairly self-contained as you got you got three factions and every faction needs to have enough tools in the toolbox to to solve all the challenges that can come up against it but because all the factions need all the tools and you can't have too many units in one faction like i keep using the word homogenous like i know zerg and terran and protoss aren't you know they're not the same but you're gonna see the same type of units you know the same like, the lurker is like the siege again. tank is like the disruptor yeah. yeah yeah so so that that actually is one complaint i've heard from some um more strident people who follow starcraft 2 is that now because now that the balance is better uh they achieved that by giving zerg art, a ground-based artillery unit that isn't really exactly like the siege tank but functions because it's faster to than it. steamed and... marines because it, yeah <laughs> on creep yeah so um so one of the ways that StarCraft II became more balanced was to homogenize the individual options that each player was working with depending on the faction that they have. So you still have some very big differences between, like, like you said, between the Zerg and the Protoss, but now Zerg and Protoss have more of an overlapping toolset than they did back in Heart of the Swarm or even in Wings of Liberty. Um, so I, I do see what you're saying by, by forcing a bit more homogeny uh, to achieve a better balance. And I, I also used the example earlier of uh, active aggression, which felt like it was too, way too homogenous because they 
everyone had exactly the same options at the at the end of the day. Yeah, um, yeah, and I, and I think that's really what it comes down to. Like, if you think of a game like League of Legends versus a or Magic versus a traditional RTS, a traditional RTS is like an army in a box. You've got everything there, but in League of Legends, like your team is your army, and sometimes your army composition is just going to be better in all scenarios against the enemy's team composition like if you run into the wrong matchup in your lane there's sort of like if you're really really good you can do something about it but nine times out of ten or like unless you're really really good the other the person who's picked the other thing is going to come out on top and well i think it's also important to say that sometimes in that situation being really really good is to know to get out of that lane and switch with someone else um, just a, a minor, minor point, but just just to demonstrate that we're not always talking about exactly the same kinds of skills that mm. lead to success. So, so fighting better isn't necessarily always the the best it's option. Mechanics, as opposed case. to knowing when to run away, knowing when to cut your losses. Um, yeah, I think in not only in RTS but in, in any sort of longer term competitive game. Um, with some sort of build-up phase, I think. I think I think uh, games like Overwatch and League, it, it's interesting to take a step back and rather than getting bogged down in the nitty-gritty because is is balance fun? I mean, that it asks the question of what is balance, but also what is fun. And there's mm. there's multiple different types of fun. Um, someone actually pointed this out in my Discord. Um, but there's so there's fun in terms of mastery. So practicing the same build order, perfecting it you know winning in starcraft to getting to masters league that's that's mastery and that's fun but also novelty is fun of comstomp versus ai the the visual eye candy of playing no rush 20 and you build up a big army <laughs> and your big army smashed like that's fun people enjoy that people also uh enjoy the power fantasy of the built the experimental galactic colossus in supreme commander and now the colossus is just killing everything because it's really overpowered because it's this end game unit so there's different types of fun and and, and mm. you can look at what what games are aiming for and so you can compare overwatch to fortnite to counter-strike all three of those games are extremely successful popular and fun games but they're fun in different ways Counter-Strike is fun because it's a game about mastery. It's, in, it's an incredibly skillful game. The skill ceiling is very high. It's very hard to play. You can't luck your way through it, or you're going to have a hard time doing so. Uh, and, you know, the balance is pretty tight. You, 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 well, arguably it is, arguably it isn't, because you just use AKs and M4s the whole game. You, know, you, don't, you don't use that many weapons, but, but like it seems like a pretty self-evident statement that Counter-Strike is more balanced than Overwatch. Uh, I think that kind of speaks for itself. Um, every that's a really, every player does the same thing, really. You know, um, apart from like that's a really good one guy point. has a sniper. Like, do you? Sorry, like, do you think that? Um, I, I'm trying to think of a better way to phrase it, but like, I don't think enough, I don't think a lot of developers have the money to come up with an ex, like a, a an experience that's as balanced as starcraft is just because the sheer amount of like time yeah and play testing and iteration and to get something that tight and that well balanced not everyone's got the time or the resources to do that 
And maybe what some of the problem is, is that everyone's striving for this eSport quality sort of uh, like balance or experience, but it's it's a lot harder than it looks to get there. And it requires like a lot of time and a lot of playtesting and a lot of iteration. And so like people are trying to go down that road, but they're not always necessarily able to pull it off just because they haven't got like however many years, however many decades of experience of making the same game with hundreds of thousands or like millions of people playing it day in, day so out. The, just... mm. the way I look at it is in addition to different types of fun, there's different types of frustration and there's yeah. different ways in which the players are going to be frustrated. So the guy that you beat in Company of Heroes that one time, uh, I bet he was pretty frustrated when he lost all of his tanks. Um, and uh, to me, as a, as a game designer, you have to look at... Because you're always going to frustrate somebody, uh, especially in a competitive game. And to me, what it comes down to is how often is a player going to feel like the situation was unfair? How often is the player going to feel like there was no point in trying to play after a certain point? Uh, to me, it, it's about minimizing the surface area of those frustrations more than it is about trying to eliminate them. Um, <clears throat> so for, for me, for balance, it's how often are you okay with letting players feel screwed over? Um, because it's going to happen. It's, it's always going to happen. I mean, think about Idra back in the day. I don't think he's around <laughs> anymore in, in StarCraft, but... But he's the the archetype of that sort of player. Every loss uh, was a a catalog of all of the things that he was upset about. Uh, there's actually a, a guy in Command and Conquer Remastered that kind of does the same sort of thing. Um, probably should I was going to say his name, but I realized I probably shouldn't. Um, <laughs> um, but th there's a lot of players out there that that do that. If if they lose, it's not because they didn't play well to them. It's not mm. because. Um, they were outplayed that the other person uh, got lucky or um, capitalized on a, a small mistake or something. It's that the game is broken. It's the, the designer's fault. It's the the studio's fault. It's the game's fault. Uh, and you're you're always gonna you're always gonna have that. But the the to me, looking more than just at what's fun about the game, but what what's frustrating about the game and and what feels unfair and what feels crappy to have happened to you, um, I, I think is a, a good way to address that sort of sort of a concern. Um, so, uh, full disclosure, I play a couple of those um, mobile. Yeah. What would you call Un them? Um, cow clickers. Like well, like. Clash Royale is is um, oh. the archetype of that sort of so that yeah, you kind of build a deck of units it. and you place yeah. them on the yeah I don't remember what they're called tug of war maybe tug of war games is that what they're called um, where you kind of place the unit and it marches across the battlefield um, yeah yeah um, I I play a couple of those and um, you're always good you're, there's definitely ways to build. Uh, really suboptimal, really, really more optimal decks, and I, I think about, I have thought about the problem of of trying to add content to an RTS that that's that flexible, and it always kind of crashes into the reality of how RTS are played and and the the scale and the scope, and that's I think that's why some developers have tried to 
kind of you know you, you get complaints of course from from people saying oh modern rts the people are trying to take out base building and trying to take out resourcing and <laughs> i i think that that's not actually uh, exactly true i've played a lot of the the major rts releases and like i still feel like 80 percent of rts are, are still pretty traditionally designed um yeah but anyway the, the ones that aren't though I, I think sometimes those developers um are trying to not only square the circle of frustrating players less learning the game but but sometimes it's you know how can we get new content how can we do a an uh, evergreen content it, it never seems to work and I, i'm not sure it's related directly to balance uh, as much as it is to the expectations of the player base. Yeah, something Callum said earlier about the different types of fun, I think, is very important because if you're if you're deriving fun from mastery, you kind of need a level playing field. It goes back to the chess example, right? Like, the closer you are to chess, the more your victory is through your skill alone. Yeah than it is through the roll of the dice and that's fine and that's like that i think that serves a very small audience of people like in the scheme of things and clash royales a really great example because the thing is is if you lose a clash royale like one it doesn't really matter because the sessions are so short that you don't Beat yourself you haven't spent like 30 minutes basically <laughs> uh you know you spent like three minutes or whatever the timer is on it there's the card element as well so if you lose you can always be like yeah the cards were against me you know like they got some really good units i don't even have that goblin which helps because it's like freemium as well and sort of like drives people towards like buying card packs or buying loot chests or whatever the sort of like monetization method is and i think it really comes down to like who your audience is right like do you want to make something that everyone can enjoy and have a good time or do you want to make something that's like for fewer people who are going to be like way way more heavily invested in it well i think that's the elegance of mobas is that it does cater to everyone because you have and and, and yeah. overwatch again is the example because in overwatch i, mean, I don't know Overwatch very well but let's say league of legends which i do know pretty well mm. is there are very high skills very high skill ceiling champions generally the the damage champions like the mages that have to land these really precise spells or these called ad carries like the marksman unit the mm. heroes that are very squishy so they require much precision and there's a lot of really important decision making about where to stand and who to attack and and so those appeal to the the competitive players who want that mastery but also inside of those games you you have the support champions ones that some of them are difficult but some of them are really easy and some of those are excellent for your tag along girlfriend hey honey do you want to play league of legends with us oh that sounds really hard Nah, that's okay. You can just play Sona. When you're playing Sona, all you have to do is run around healing people. You heal people and you, you give them extra movement speed or like those support roles. And you have that in Overwatch. Uh, is it Mercy, the one that heals people? In Team Fortress 2, you have the Medic. Those are very easy roles to play compared to the things like, I don't know, the Archer or the Scout in, in Team Fortress 2. And so by, by getting... Yeah different people different outlets for fun the support hero is fun because 
you're contributing to the team. You have that camaraderie. You have that feeling of like, yes, I saved you. I, I put that bubble on you, that shield on you, just as you're about to get hit by this bad spell. And that feels great. But also feels great when you nuke the enemy team through your really twitchy mechanics. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think it sort of goes back to the army in the box idea, right? You need to give the player all the tools they need to counter everything because it wouldn't be fun if you had a team of like we're playing company of heroes and uh for whatever reason our force doesn't have any counter to mortars and they've got all indirect fire so they can just sit behind buildings and just shell us all day you know like we've only got machine guns and they've only got mortars yeah so they're gonna win like but if the session was like 15 minutes long and uh you know, and if there was some randomization element to it, you know, you there's five heroes and they've got different units, then maybe it would be a different story. Yeah, I definitely agree with frustration being less difficult if you go into a session with the expectation that it might not be fair. Like, I, I played Gwent, that card game online for a while, and sometimes you just sort of don't have a good deck or whatever, and it, does, it doesn't really frustrate me <laughs> that much. But then if I play something that... I have the perception that it should be fair, like Company of Heroes should be a fair balance game as an RTS, then that, that feels frustrating uh, if I lose. I can't remember who said it, but there was like a, a quote which was, good game design is when the player wins, they think it was because of skill, and when they lose, it's because yeah. they think it's down to bad luck. Yeah. <laughs> uh, which still pretty much sums up like Magic the Gathering or like Hearthstone or something in a nutshell. You know, every time I lose a like a ccg i'm like oh it's because i had mana drought you know like i didn't have enough mana or like oh of course they won they pulled the insert name of like card here in the first round uh in the first sort of hand so yeah i think that's i think that's something really important yeah and then what what should an artist aim for because games like starcraft are, are aiming for that sort of mastery um Although they also aim for campaigns too, so that's also worth qualifying. And that's what most people play, by the way, is campaigns. Most people don't yeah. even touch multiplayer to begin with. But then even with a game yeah. like Deck Dawn of War Dark Crusade, even if you're just kind of playing the skirmishes, or, but the campaigns are very popular, it, it, it isn't aimed at mastery. It, it's aimed at eye candy. It's aimed at cool battles. Like you have sync kills is an interesting um, mechanic, is that in no way is sync kills balanced. The, you know, there's a five percent chance well, I, I think the, that your unit does a cool kill. I think the other thing that you have to consider with RTS, as opposed to something like a MOBA or something like a card game, is in. Uh, I'm not super familiar with Hearthstone, but but let me use the example. And I, I really want to see the comments on this video because so far we've done Dawn of War three, we've mentioned MOBAs, <laughs> and we've got mobile games in here. So. <laughs> I can only I can only imagine what sort of well I think the people who watch up, podcasts tend to be a bit more learned and intellectual oh, and open minded than like our last podcast had some some fun comments on it too oh. so <laughs> we'll have to see I'm excited to see what comes out of it more um, clickbait titles that's what we need <laughs> um but you, using the example of something like like Hearthstone um, yeah. in Hearthstone. You, each player gains mana every turn, 
And I'm sure there's classes or cards that give you, that let you manipulate that in small ways. But um, most of the time, the players are always working with the same amount of, of options, for, for lack of a better, better word. You've got the same pool of, of stuff economy, from which right? to draw cards. Yeah, the, your economy is basically forced in parity. And anytime that changes, it's because a player has made the decision to say, some of my cards are going to manipulate my economy. Um, and the same thing happens in, in Clash Royale. There's like a couple of cards that let you kind of try to get some more energy a couple minutes, a couple seconds down the line. Um, so that that's something that RTS, unless it's being played at the very, very highest levels, doesn't really do. Um, the idea of your economy being in parity just really really doesn't happen. You've got players that are, are turtling and they, they want to, you know, sometimes it's not possible, but as these players want to sit in their base and build up a big army and they might try to build more economy earlier. And then you've got your, your rushers and they, they want to get the absolute bare minimum economy they can afford to be able to execute on their rush. Um, and so for, right out of the gate, that doesn't, that doesn't apply from that what hearthstone is doing doesn't apply to something like starcraft you can't have i think it would be very difficult to be able to slot a hydralisk into a terran army and and see that that work really really well um just as an idea of you know starcraft being a game where you can build build a, a deck of units uh, tooth and tail tried that where you can bring like six different units along with you into the match uh and they never tried to monetize that and expand on that in any sort of way but um that's the kind of a, a little slice of that sort of idea and also with with mobas you start out with five people on your team it's not like you have to start out with one guy and train the second hero and then train the third hero and the timing of those heroes being being trained is important to the match no you've, you've got all your stuff right there from the get-go again rts don't do that um so I think it's a little tricky to apply some of these lessons directly to RTS because um, you never know in a game whether you're going to have 78 or 98 Marines or 23 Marines. So changing the Marine doesn't mean the same thing as changing a card in Hearthstone that you may play three or four of. Uh, similarly, changing one hero in Dota is one-fifth or, you know, one-eighth maybe depending on the hero power scales of your whole your whole entire power for your team and your whole entire suite of options for your team so yeah. th these are some kind <laughs> yeah. of challenges that are, that are unique to rts that that you have these weird proportionality differences and timing differences and economy differences and every time a developer tries to mess with that people get mad <laughs> <laughs> well yeah i mean that's the thing right it's like economy is such a large part of how people exhibit skill in more like traditional rts games that you can't really turtle because if you're turtling you're not going out and getting resources and if you're not getting resources you're not building an army or building defenses or anything like that and with the other the other games that we mentioned like league of legends and hearthstone and what and clash royale is they basically take the economy out of the equation mm. and sure league of legends you've got gold that you can use to buy items and what have you but 
you can't get new powers you can't get new abilities you can't get new units you can make the units you've got like hit harder hit faster like get health back well dota is an interesting contradiction because in dota you, the, the items are more ability based like you, you buy an item and now it lets you teleport and now it lets you cast cyclone so not, not to get bogged down in the difference but but, mm. but dota does it but the hero the hero's got four abilities yeah and the off the you know when you start the game to when you finish the game you still got those four abilities and like they're not gonna get significantly better they're gonna get more powerful yeah, but four abilities versus five abilities even with like you know agonim scepter or something um that's a very different thing from you know one player having zerglings to another player having battle cruisers yeah. um <laughs> so there, there's a lot more change in game state in an rts and i think that makes it really hard to account for for some of these variables that work better in games that are scaled differently yeah you know should six marines always beat five marines or should there be some randomization in there to like mix it up like is it is it fun if it's always a foregone conclusion well that's why company like, Furious is interesting is because it, it's really the only rts game that has meaningful rng i don't i can't think of any other game that does and, and rng i think is it's so fundamental to company of heroes that it, yeah and dawn of war right dawn of war, not really just the way that accuracy works in dawn of war 2 things don't miss and that's why things have 600 health is because or a thousand health is because things never miss um yeah the, the only real like sometimes rng is like special attacks and sync and kills. when you lose a model right like sometimes you lose yeah, a model true. really yeah. quickly and sometimes you can limp out of there with like five percent health and all three models yeah. yeah yeah and i think that adds a lot of drama you know even in mirror matches if you've got two squads of scouts and you're sort of duking it out there's always like that that luck component that keeps it fresh and if they lose a model then you you're like yes i i do think though for for those games uh especially company of heroes a lot of what the gameplay ends up coming down to is trying to minimize the risk of rng screwing you over um which is why you know you're going to try to bring multiple squads into a fight to to get overlapping fire arcs to make sure that whatever you're fighting gets taken out and um you know fighting behind cover to make sure that your um squads are getting hit less and um <clears throat> that sort of thing and I, I think that definitely changes the gameplay over pretty much any other um any other rts because the the risk that you're minimizing is a different kind of risk than you're trying to minimize in something like starcraft or age of empires and age of empires minimizing risk is building walls out of houses um which is a very different sort of a thing <laughs> hmm. all right you said you have to bail brandon yeah i didn't want to make a big deal for the <laughs> podcast audience but uh it's getting kind of yeah. late in my neck of the woods yeah. so um thanks for coming on it was good I mean, I'm happy to continue. Aiden, yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Did we crack the case? No. I feel like we talked in circles a lot, but it was well, it's, it's complicated. <laughs> I felt like we started getting into the meat of it like 20 minutes ago. We were like, now we're really drilling into yeah. it. Well, it's like you can't solve balance. 
you also can't solve the question of is balance fun because the the questions are well, too Well, I, I vague. think we did kind of hit a more or less uh, we we hit a kind of a thesis, yeah. right? That that balance in the terms of pure mechanical equity is probably a an impossible uh, and not necessarily it's, it might be a bit of a red herring, but balance in terms of player quality of life, I, I think is um, thinking about it that way is important. Uh, for any game that's going to have more than one player involved on different sides of the um, different teams. Yeah, I think understanding what fun you're aiming for. Uh, are you aiming for mastery? Are you aiming for novelty? Are you aiming for drama? Like These are all important things to distinguish. And like, who are the majority of players who are buying the game? Because again, it's, it's very easy for us to get in these esoteric conversations when... 95% of RTS players only play campaigns. Um, and then you sort of miss the market reality. That actually is what the driving force behind sales is. But I think there's definitely some concepts. Like I think um, making sure games aren't bland is a no-brainer. But but it's difficult. I mean, it's a no-brainer in terms of it's important, but actually implementing that uh, is, is difficult because... Um, what's fair and what's not like those things vary and and i think the frustration thing that you mentioned brandon earlier was good um i mean i'm going to probably go on a long rant so if you want to bail now then, then <laughs> now's a good time are you you're off brandon yeah what's what's the way to bail that messes with your setup oh, at least what, that's fine. Just, disconnect? just disconnect i think i'll have okay. to redo that overlay but that would take me like two seconds okay well, thanks for having me on. It was a pleasure as always, nice and I look forward to next time. Nice to meet you as well. Yeah. See you, Brandon. Um, and yeah, have a great evening, everybody. Thanks. Okay, so I think now I just have to disable. No, that's me. Disable Brandon, and then I have to drag you over a bit. There you go. Fixed. Do you need me to vamp? What? Do you need me to vamp? Do you need me to like? No, no. There you go. The power of editing. Oh no, um, yeah. He's talking about like you're always going to frustrate players, but and I think just as there's different types of fairness, there's different types of frustration, and not all are equal. So frustration from unfairness is is a lot worse than frustration because you suck and you lost and you know it. Like that's a different type of of frustration, and and I think Company of Heroes too. Is, is such a good example for a lot of these discussions because it, it really has both the example and the counter example within the same game. <laughs> like yeah. RNG, I think is a good part of Company of Heroes. It's good that mortar strikes are wildly um, inconsistent depending on luck effectively. Do you hit or you do you miss? With, with penetration yeah. values and tank battles, do you penetrate, do you miss or do you hit? All, all these things are interesting with, with cover and infantry. But then, you, then you have other examples that are really frustrating. So you have, for example, so you have, so you you put in a recon plane, and then an anti-air unit shoots down the recon plane, and then the recon plane crash lands on your army and kills your entire army, and now you're now you lose the game. You have no army left because the recon plane killed your army. 
that's RNG, that's not fun, that's frustrating. You didn't do anything to deserve that loss. You didn't make a mistake. There's no learning lesson, there's no fairness. It's just the plane yeah. crashed on your infantry, sorry. And that happens and it's been it's been changed, but it still happens and not as much as it used to, or not as the the explosive radius isn't as isn't as big. Like there's like YouTube compilations of like recon planes crashing on an army. It's like it's really bad. And then at the same time, you have like the way that infantry squads can clump up, and then you have seven conscripts that have the surface area of one and a half conscripts. And then so what happens is an anti-tank gun shoots and somehow kills six conscripts with a single shot. That's like what? Why did that happen? That's stupid. And then you lose the squad. Just RNG that should not happen and is not fun happens alongside RNG that feels like it's fair. I think, yeah, the, th the thing that sort of I'm taking away, having had the chance to sort of talk about it tonight, is that there's there's different audiences and, like, the people who who care about like balance in the traditional sense of the word are like the people who want to play at like a very high very competitive level and in for them it's in their best interest for things to be largely the same to to sort of exhibit skill and then for everyone else they're more interested in in like drama yeah and so if you know if you don't play multiplayer and you only play single player balance is actually not fun because then every mission would be the same and it would basically be like a an analog of multiplayer but you don't want that you you know like you want the excitement curves in your campaign right like level one it's normandy beach you're vastly outnumbered you know that really sucks then like level three you're in an armored tank column rolling through like a lightly defended outpost and that feels great you know you've turned the tides and those are like you know not balanced in your favor in the first example and then again uh balanced in your favor in the second example and then it comes down to frustration as well like there's an acceptable level of in like time investment where people will shrug off a loss or shrug off something as not balanced because they haven't invested enough to be like super super frustrated about it but there's a magic line after like a certain period of time or after a certain amount of investment where you feel hard done by when things are not balanced yeah because like ostensibly your time has been wasted if yeah if something unbalanced happens um and it's interesting that all of the examples that we that we talked about with the the slightly more like imbalanced approach to things tend to have a much shorter session length than so i'm gonna go close my window have... real quick i forgot that my windows open yeah, i can hear like it. my neighbors and stuff it's cool <laughs> normally i have my windows closed but it's summer now and it's like pretty hot yeah, I think some guy in the apartment above me started drilling about 10 minutes into when we started oh, talking. Oh, I didn't hear it. Oh, that's all right then. But yeah, I think like the main thing for me is just people will be more forgiving of like imbalanced, uh, imbalance as it were, 
if the stakes are are lower um and if the investment is lower and that's not and like and it might even be good to have imbalance because for every five times you're on the receiving end of it the other five times you're the one benefiting from it and so when there's this higher turnover of matches it tends to like obfuscate the uh the frustration a bit it sort of tends to it tends to uh blur the lines a bit whereas if you play one or two games a night you're you're really going to care about whether something's balanced but if you play 10 games in a night 10 matches in a night you're not going to be so mad about the one time you ran into your hard counter this is my problem with company of heroes too i think the game length is actually too long I think it would be better if Company of Heroes maxed out effectively at 40 VPs, sorry, 40 minutes, um, rather <laughs> rather than like an up for an hour. Yeah. And Dawn of War 2 is much shorter game length. I think it's maybe a little bit too short. So, so I think dragging it out, like if you were to say Company of Heroes 2, the VPs was 400 VPs, not 500 VPs, mm. like that would shorten the game length. And I think that'd be, that would benefit... I think also what I've been doing lately is, I mean, the 1v1 meta in Company of Heroes is so bad currently that I've been playing just 2v2 games and I just play with randoms on, on online. And and even though a yeah. lot of the time I get matched up with someone who is terrible and I lose and it's his fault, it isn't really that frustrating because I'm just like, whatever, it was a random 2v2, some random teammate, he wasn't very good. That's a shame. But if I lose a 1v1 game, then I get like really frustrated because I feel like you know, a something's unbalanced, or B because I've just played badly, and then it, and then I feel bad, and and so I think expectations are are important, and um, that's something that both a developer can and can't control at the same time. And it is it is uh, what 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 do you what was sorry what do you think they can't control? Well, the it's not it's not Relic's fault that. Um, I get angry when I lose a one versus one game, which is why I would rather play a two versus two game because it diffuses the frustration of losing. And I think that's why most people play four v four games in general, like most in Company Heroes and in most RTS games. The preferred mm. game mode for multiplayer, aside from the fact that most people just play against the AI to begin with, uh, is is a four v four, and or whatever the largest game mode is like in Dawn of War 2 it's 3v3 the largest game mode is 3v3 and that's what people play predominantly Starcraft 2 so is, is like it... the exception in that regard which even that more people play the co-op mode of Starcraft 2 now than what they play one versus one so is there any RTS where you don't feel frustrated if you lose a 1v1 um that's a good question I think it depends on a lot of things. It depends on, on how close the game was. Like, if, if I have a really close game and and I lose only barely, like, that's not frustrating to me. That, that's it's, It was a fun game. No, that's still an awesome game. It was game. an awesome game. Yeah. If I lose a game, if it's a really close game and then I lose because of something that I perceive as balance or because of... Some, some bad RNG in Company of Heroes in a way that doesn't feel fair, then that can be really frustrating. Or if I lose against someone who's just so much of a better skill than me and I lose in 10 minutes and it feels like I had no chance, then that's not fun either. 
So I think, yeah, in, in, in ways it's more perhaps of a matchmaking problem. Uh, that is a big part of it too. Or which in RTS games, because the player bases are so small, it is very difficult to have good matchmaking that will match you up against and similar players. The, the audience's expectations... You know, the, I think the reason why I keep coming back to examples like um, Hearthstone and Overwatch and stuff like that is I think they did a really good job of um, sort of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, kind of resetting what the audience's expectations are of those experiences. You know, the sort of traditional CCG or like tradi- uh, traditional like shooter um there's there's a lot of uh what's the word i'm looking for like the audience has a certain expectation of like what they should be and how people should uh like almost feel when you win or lose right like very competitive very serious no frivolity no like random um randomized things going on yeah, I really like that example. What was the the when a, a good game design is when you win, it feels like because of skill. When you lose, it's because of luck. And a lot of board games do this as well. There's a lot of more, some yeah. more luck in board games than there generally is in computer games, um, unless you look at a a card game like Hearthstone, because Hearthstone effectively is a board game on a computer. So it has that that same sort of distribution of skill and luck and and chance and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah, and taking economy out of the equation, I think, is a really big part of it because it it leads to, like, that snowballing. Once you start to loot, like, the rich get richer, and by taking the economy out of the equation, it allows the player to, like, focus on the toys instead of focusing on the... The the chores and the nitty-gritty of building supply depots and, and, and building workers you don't have to worry about you know in in a traditional rts you've got like three tech tiers and when you get to tier three you unlock like all the powerful toys but it doesn't matter if you haven't got the resources to use them right Hmm. but in hearthstone you can pull your most powerful card and you're like oh yeah i'll hold on to that because i can use it in like three turns time yeah yeah, well, to think of, of, of a summary, um, I think you, so you want things to be fair, but you don't want things to be bland. And things feel fair if if like you lost because you made a mistake of some kind, uh, at least in an, in an RTS setting. I'm not talking about like Hearthstone mm. here, you know, Hearthstone. Yeah, yeah. We can talk all we want about MOBAs and card games, RTSs are very different. Uh, things need to be fair. And so like the, the ice mechanic, like that's a good example. Ice and bridges and whatever. Like that's how you, the, the things that are exciting and, and dramatic, but also are fair at the same time. And things like the, the, the heavy artillery strikes in Company of Heroes, those things are dramatic and they can kill a lot of stuff. They give you that power fantasy. And yet... Also, they're fair because, like, a they're expensive. B they have a delay and a, and, a, and a they telegraph they're about to happen. Or you have these 
super big heavy tanks like the elephant heavy tank destroyer that feels really powerful it doesn't feel balanced because it completely decimates enemy armor on the field but it is fair because it has no attack versus infantry and it you can flank it and it rotates very slowly or like a just even more basic a, a heavy machine gun team is it it devastates infantry in the front in its arc but it, again it gets flanked it gets forced off so you have these ways of countering all of these tools and all of these these abilities whatever they are so they're fair but also they're not bland they're they're all very um, impactful in their own way and in each specific situation they can have a, a massive impact on the battlefield which is like what wayward with brandon was saying with like the engineer and the apc like it's kind of cheesy but it's 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 very high impact and 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 high impact units is what makes them feel um like exciting and dramatic so just the drama is what you want to aim for however so in, in that sense yes balance is overrated but at the same time bad balance isn't in and of itself fun um and and <laughs> there, there are yeah. games that are not bland and are exciting but also suffer from bad balance and and you could improve the balance without negatively in, impacting the the excitement and the, the drama and so you could look at command and conquer generals where you have in the usa faction you have 20 units and how many of them do you build three you build the humvee you build the rocket soldier you build an ambulance and maybe a pathfinder like that you only build four units out of the entire arsenal that this faction has to offer and that's not fun um, you could you could have the balance improve and you would still have all of that quirkiness all of the wackiness all of the drama that makes zero hours so fun uh, but you you would improve that and even though it is unbalanced it's still fun because the amount of interaction and depth with all of those units is still really huge it's the same with 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 brood war starcraft brood war in a mirror matchup where you're only building three or four units but it's still really interesting and there's a lot of variety and depth within the build orders and the positionings and 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 how you play the matchup even if the, the unit roster is limited but again for the majority of players they're playing at a skill level or in a game mode a, a, a single player where or even just a 4v4 where the balance doesn't really matter so that's my summary so what we're saying is balance doesn't mean it's fun but it also means it is it doesn't mean it's not fun it is important to fun but also not important to fun is that what we're yeah, saying yeah i think to be precise um blandness is is obviously the the big boogeyman which can be conflated mm. with balance um and it, it is it is hard to identify like i think the arguing the, the position of balance is overrated it is difficult because it's very easy to see when things are unbalanced and when they're they're up there they're not fun but but it's very difficult to see when something is bland and how like the the, the lost idea that was scrapped because it wouldn't be balanced like you don't know what you don't have and so 
what ideas were tossed out of StarCraft 2 because it was overpowered, for example. Um, yeah. And so you... Throwing out... It's like, yeah, the throwing out of things that are fun in the pursuit of, like, balance, yeah. essentially. Yeah, and you can look at games like Red Alert 3, and especially with that the expansion they had, Uprising, which doesn't have multiplayer... So they, they, it was only single player, and it has these really crazy, really overpowered mm. units that um, probably couldn't happen in multiplayer. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I think it's also a, a bit of a misleading statement to say that everyone's trying to do esports. Like, I don't think that's true. I think competitions and casting is a marketing tool. It's, it's a low-budget marketing method as a, compared to traditional marketing outlets. And so even though it may give the appearance of being eSports, it's actually just marketing. And so is, is, is yeah. them doing quote-unquote eSports, you know, I think that's a very loose word that's thrown around haphazardly, is them doing competitions and broadcasts for the sake of marketing is that them pandering to esports and therefore making a bland game? I think that's a bit of a straw man. Oh, do you do you think though that there's an audience expectation that um, multiplayer game modes are at least like aiming for that esport quality, like esport level of balance, esport viability? I well, guess I think that with with tournaments, yes. And, 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 and the problem with tournaments is that when you put money on the line, you're incentivizing players to play the most obnoxious, strongest means. And so then you get games like Iron Harvest. They had this like launch tournament, and the games were absolute garbage because they were like using these really gimmicky, repetitive strategies, that, and the game would end within the first five minutes generally. Uh, whereas like what would have been a lot more fun is if you was to show a 3v3 game because then the balance is like so much more flexible that uh, you're seeing more of the game at hand. And I mean, when I play Company Furious, playing 4v4s is fun because if I play 1v1 where it's the balance is more tight, there's only two commanders that are viable per faction. If I play 4v4, I can go basically whatever commander I want. It doesn't matter because the balance is so up in the air. So I think, yeah, it's complicated. Balance both isn't mm. fun and is fun at the same time. Yeah, I guess I, I guess something that's been really sort of uh, interesting for me to think about is in games like League of Legends where they've got so many heroes you can't do like a an apples to apples comparison because you'd never you'd never release anything if you have to make sure that they're balanced yeah. against like every it just wouldn't happen and so it's okay it's okay for them to be not balanced in like certain context and like the context is very important the context of like uh the context in which something is used is very important and the 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 fact that rts games need to have that army in a box and need to let you have 
access to all the toys and you need to have something that's viable in every circumstance i think that's been like the most interesting sort of discovery from this conversation for me is like you can't have an army that doesn't have all the tools in the toolbox because then you're not competitive you're just not going to win those matches what company Heroes has done this in the past is where for example the u.s in company heroes 2 they didn't have a mortar they only had a, huh. like a pack howitzer which was it came really late in tier 3 and they ended up giving them one and and i think it was for the better is because like an infantry mortar yeah, just a regular just a regular mortar that everyone like else tier has one yeah. sort of thing um yeah because what would happen is is you just play on on a certain urban map uh and then the enemy puts a machine gun in a building and then you're just helpless like your hands are tied you just can't do anything and then so it, it creates these really one-sided one-dimensional matchups where because you can't just build a mortar and clear the building out of the house you have to slam your face into you know trying to commit to their cutoff or something or you go for this like really high risk reward play and that just isn't fun and, and, and is frustrating and so on the one hand it is sad that yes they're homogenizing us because now they've given us a mortar i think it's it's the lesser evil of now you have a more dynamic reactive in-depth interaction where the player can do more things and and as brandon said you can go into this elegant dance where you have like a good rts game is a dance between two or more players where you're you're interacting and you're 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 throwing out moves and your opponent's reacting to them whereas the opposite of a dance is this one person just stomping on the other person's foot and just controlling what they can and can't do do you think there's uh an argument to be made for a competitive rts where there's only one faction uh, so i don't know about competitive rts but um the game zero k it, it's a fan indie mm. project it's a free game it, yeah. it's like a total annihilation in 3d it's pretty fun um that has that has it one seems faction to be getting a lot of buzz yeah at the minute. yeah uh, that that has one faction, but I think it's different because it's a it's a large scale RTS game, and because it's large scale, it's a, it's a very different type of fun. You don't you don't really have drama in that type of game. It's about economy. It's about it's right? about this progression. Is is you you scale from having a tiny little base and one commander to then at the end of the game you have hundreds of units. You have these these huge battles. So I think in that game, I mean even when I play Supreme Commander. Yes, there's four factions. They all look really cool. They all look really different. They have yeah. very superficial differences. That it's just the hero, right? Really. Well, there there is differences in the units and stuff, but to, un- unless you you are very hardcore in 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 playing Supreme Commander, at a surface level, you won't notice the difference differences because they yeah, all have like everyone's got a flyer everyone's got a scout everyone's yeah got... they all have a tank you know well, this one has more range than this one but this one you know whatever the, the differences are, are minuscule for, for most players uh and and so i think that game you could in supreme commander if you were to have all of the factions that are cosmetically different but balance wise are the same it wouldn't really change the game that much i don't think 
But a game like like a smaller scale game, like in Command and Conquer or StarCraft, uh, I think you would you would have to design it in a very specific way to have one faction. Like I think you'd have to have heroes and sub factions that you you tech into throughout the game, rather than like you'd have to have one faction with fifty units and ten heroes rather than just one faction with 20 units, like is what most RTS games have, is they'll have three or four factions, each with 20 units. Mm. And so you're saying, like, more more factions? More sub-factions and more sub-units within a one yeah. mega-faction. So I think it could be done, but, but I think the problem with that is you, could, you lose the narrative... Like, whereas when you play StarCraft, multiplayer even, let's say you don't even play the campaign, that there's clearly a world and a narrative and a story. You have the creepy, crawly insect Zerg who want to murder everything. You have the, the space cowboy Terrans. And then you have the sophisticated uh, Protoss. And then, and, and, and yeah. like, Dawn of War is, you know, it, it, Dawn of War doesn't even really have a narrative. You just have, like, there's the planet called Kronos. Seven different races want the planet, and they fight. That's the story. And by having different Some- factions, you can sort of create this world that even if you're only playing it in, a, in, like, a skirmish or multiplayer context without any narrative narrative of a story and characters, you still have this immersive world. So that you lose that when you have one faction is you can't really have that, or you'd have to try very hard to 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 retain that. Yeah, I really like the example you gave about the uh, the mortar team and adding the mortar team because it it tied into what Brandon was saying about part of the skill is knowing when you're when you're out when you're outclassed. Like, not through skill, but just like, this is a bad matchup, so I've got to get out of here. And it sounds like in the Company of Heroes 2 example, you didn't have an alternative. It's like an urban map. And so there's yeah, nothing. Yeah, the machine gun's on your cutoff. And so you don't have, you have zero resource income because the machine gun is on your cutoff and you can't get rid and of it. And that's frustrating because they've taken away your ability to have fun. Yeah. It's like literally nothing I can do here. But if it was a map that was like 70% farmland and 30% urban and that that city section happened to be camped on a fuel point, at least you can do something about it. You're like, well, he's camped in there and there's nothing I can do about it. But if he's there, he's not, you know, defending this yeah. point. So I can attack this point or I can do this or I can do that. But it sounds like in that particular example, it's just like... There's nothing I can do. Yeah, maps are actually really interesting because... So people praise StarCraft and StarCraft 2 for its balance and uh, the the factions and the the units are balanced in StarCraft 2 at least, but the maps are not balanced. In, in StarCraft, there is a right and a wrong way to have a map. You have to have a, you know, a little ramp that goes into your main base. You have to have a natural base. You have to have a third base. From a bird's eye view, every single map in StarCraft is the same. They're they're all the same, the maps. Now, there are quirky things that StarCraft 2 has tried to do with, like, gold bases and stuff, but but really they're all the same. But you look at something, and it's because of how 
like specific in how rigid the units and the factions are designed. The, the, generally, the more the more asymmetric the factions are, the less asymmetric the maps can be. But if you look at Command and Conquer right. or you look at Company of Heroes, the maps are wildly different, especially in, in Company of Heroes where because it, it tries not to be an arcadey sandbox game, it tries to have like real looking cities that you have like actual little villages. So you, you don't have purely symmetrical buildings and it, it tries to sort of create a section of, of France rather than just a little arena. Um, yeah. And, and that is something nice. Like it is good in Company of Heroes that the maps are wildly different and while you know, some formulas are better or worse for competitive play. There's still multiple types and formulas of maps um, rather than having a single correct way of making a map. Yeah, I'm just looking at I'm just looking at the top down of all of the StarCraft 2 maps now. When you look at them in this bird's eye view... They're all the same. Yeah. Yeah, because if, if you they're... were to open up the main base, like the, the, the Zergling, the unit, the Zergling is balanced because of the fact that the main base has a tiny little ramp that Terran could wall off in the first two minutes of the game. If the main bases were open, yeah. Terran would be unplayable. Like you would just lose every game to Zerglings rushing you because you wouldn't have the walls and you wouldn't have the ramps. So they, they use uh, yeah. maps to balance the factions. And, and, I think, and I think that's sort of like the the underlying theme of what we've been talking about here is like the more competitive and the more uh iter like oh, like yeah iterative it becomes you know what works and you know what doesn't work to the extent where there's like clear patterns about especially in like this map design that i'm looking at it's like here's what works in a competitive setting and here's absolutely what does not work in a competitive setting and it's almost like what we've been talking about here with the sort of like homogenization is is reflected in the maps yeah because you can see it when you're looking at the maps all top down next to each other you can see the same pattern that's just rearranged in ever so slightly different yeah. ways and and the differences are uh, that seem small have a huge difference like mm. this map's more open in the middle of the map therefore uh you know it's it's easier for zerg to push out well this map has a high ground position here overlooking the fourth base that makes it good for terran to siege their siege tanks up like all these little things have these massive compound yeah. effects the tiny at that level the tiniest tiniest detail makes the world of difference right yeah, yeah. and i guess what we're talking about is like it's a bit uh it doesn't necessarily mean that it will be more fun, but it is more likely that something a bit more rough and tumble is fun. You know, it's like the difference between Formula One or Destruction Derby. Or like NASCAR or something. Right. Oh, well, I don't know if NASCAR is a good example. But it's like, yeah, the, the more uh, elite, I guess, something becomes, the more like the tiny tiny details make a huge difference yeah and i don't think it's a bad thing that starcraft has maps that are all from a bird's eye view the same because 
what, what StarCraft is aiming for in its 1v1 game, it, it's aiming for the fun from the mastery. It's not aiming for fun from novelty and, and drama. Yeah. And so the fact that it has a single formula of maps, uh, it empowers the mastery element of fun. Whereas in Company of Heroes, where there's a lot less of mastery, it still is a component of it. But Company of Heroes is certainly wanting to have the drama, the drama of Company of Heroes, the 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 RNG of penetration and heavy mortars and um, all of these other effects. Like, and so to to play up that, you want to have more asymmetric map design. Um, and even within Company of Heroes, they're, they're asymmetric in terms of the territory, but they're, they're all the same in terms of the resources. They all have like one fuel point each, basically one munitions point each. You have four or so of the strategic points each, and then you have three VPs in the middle of the map somewhere. Uh, so th- they are more formulaic with the resource system, which Company of Heroes 1 perhaps does less of because of their resource systems are more flexible with the way that you have high, low, and medium of both munitions and fuel. Uh, I, I personally prefer the Co-1 system of, of resources. I think Co-2 is definitely simplifies it in a way that isn't interesting. I don't know why they, they'd made those changes. Yeah, I didn't know they changed. When I first started playing Company of Heroes 2, I didn't know that they changed it so i kept running around trying to get manpower like i need manpower i need manpower and then my friend was getting quite irate with me because we were playing 2v2 and he's like what are you doing why do you keep going for those ones yeah it's like i need to build units it's like what are you talking yeah. about yeah all right well let's wrap it up we've been rambling away for a let's while let's do it but uh yeah that was fun i think we had a good summary half an hour ago so we, we won't restate <laughs> the summary now <laughs> what was the summary again? Uh, it was too long for me to rant. Well, you, I mean, uh, my summary anyway is is n- not blandness. Blandness is is the devil, not balance. Um, uh-huh. However, fairness is 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 like what's more important than balance. And you could argue those are the same things. And you may have the perception of balance and fairness as being the same thing. But yeah, I also I, I love that idea of. Um, when you f- win, it should because feel because of luck. When you lose, it should be because of. I said it the wrong way around. When you win, it's because of luck. When you lose, it's because of. No, I said it wrong again. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm an no. idiot. <laughs> when you win, it's because of skill. When you lose, it's because of luck. And yeah. And I think perhaps what more RTS games need is more drama. You know, in a way that Company of Heroes gives. Um, but like. Company of Heroes isn't a traditional RTS. I, I think there's room for Company of Heroes mechanics like RNG and area of effect that scatters and misses mm. and like off-map strikes, but in a way that's fair with like you know the the red smoke and stuff. Whereas a lot of yeah. a lot of RTS games don't do that. They just have a random explosion out of nowhere, and that, that's really annoying. But I would love to see Command and Conquer have like that traditional style of RTS games have more dramatic Company of Heroes style mechanics in them and RNG and, and see how that goes in, in creating that that drama. Um, 
in a way that's a bit less twitchy. Like I play Red Alert 3, it's pretty dramatic because it has a very very quirky, very eccentric unit design. But it, it but it, it's, it's it's pretty hardcore in how you play it. It's, it's a very twitchy game. What I like about Ko is that it, it isn't very twitchy. Anyway, that's sort of a summary, but also not really at the same time. So yeah, thanks for listening or watching. Uh, these guys I have put their Twitter handle on if you want to check them out. Um, any last words, Aiden? No, thanks for having me. I've been frantically taking notes really? as we've been Aww. talking. It's given me a lot to think about. Yeah. All right, well, I can link you the thing that I've, I've written down some stuff as well that I eventually I'll, oh, I'll put yeah. this into like an essay uh, once I've yeah, processed. I'm, I'm glad we had this talk now because definitely some insightful things for me to jot, jot down. All right, see ya. Thanks, everyone.